Hello, baseball fans. The Guardians are currently leading 4-3 to in the seventh inning. Can we get a win? Can they rebound? We're going to get into how good the Royals broadcast team is. We're going to talk about this game itself, and we're going to talk about my theory on the Guardians' struggles on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians. Podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, as I have been for nearly 800 episodes now. Yes, that's right. 800 solo episodes. I consider it borderline Herculean feat. Uh, I mean, technically, there's my co-host, Nacho the Cat, here. Uh, if you do not know my work, before this, I started out as a... My first pieces ever over at Indians Prospect Insider were Diamonds and Single A. Uh, I can still remember writing about Grams. Was it like Connor, Connor Grams? I'm, I'm maybe confusing him, who was an Ohio kid who the Guardians got for Raphael Betancourt. It gives you an idea of how long ago. Alexander Perez. Uh, some of those players, which is why it's ironic that now I am so leery of players in A-ball. Or maybe it's exactly because of that experience writing those pieces. Uh, from there, I was the lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout, appearing on national and local radio. And then uh, Scout got up at 24-7, and then uh, 24-7 got rid of baseball. And then I got to join the wonderful world of Locked On. You might have heard me in Columbus on 97-1, the fan. On Sunday, that will be at least once a month. I'll be getting on there with Mark Howell. Uh, good dude, fun talk. Uh, look forward to those if you uh, live in the Columbus area. Let's. So, first off, let me just say, I've been listening to this Royals broadcast, and they talk a lot about RBIs, a lot about batting average. It's, you know, older gentlemen as well. I'm not sure exactly who the announce crew is, because I've just been enjoying listening. Because, yes, it's an older crew, but do you know they've talked about how the Guardians are third and outs above average? They talk about specific how players fare against uh, pitches. They talk about, you know, improvements over the course. Of, you know, they've been talking a lot about the fact, you know, the Guardians uh, pitching since the last time they faced him has gone from 10th to 5th and bullpen ERA from 10 to 3rd. So it's still like a lot of ERA, bang average, RBIs. But then they sprinkle outs above average. They sprinkle and then they give you great information. How is it I'm just learning now that Sam Henches has the best ERA of any reliever in baseball in the second half, and it's thanks to the Royals broadcast? What is that? Um, or how about you're sitting there watching the game, and Colin Snyder comes in to pitch, quite effectively, if I might add, against the Guardians. And they mentioned that his the scout that found him, after Snyder had been a really ineffective pitcher at Vanderbilt, and they talk about this, you know, it takes a good scout to find him because he had an ERA over seven at Vanderbilt, was Nick Hamilton. Nick Hamilton, who was a Guardians farmhand, form, farmhand, the son of Tom Hamilton. Uh, really some nice information overall that they are passing on in this broadcast. I'm definitely going to be watching theirs. Uh, it's been pretty fantastic. Like I said, it's showing you can mix the old and the new very well. And just kudos to the Rails team. Uh, there'll be those who are annoyed at me with that, but I think it stands out. Again, how am I now learning about the Henches fact? So, let's switch gears. Uh, this game, listen, Josh Naylor had the home run. It's great. That's two games in a row where he's had some big hits, which is really great because he had really struggled since about mid-August on. 
but the defense, my goodness, Josh Naylor's out there making you wish for Owen Miller at first base. Uh, directly responsible for one run, directly responsible for really annoying his teammate, Tristan McKenzie. I think we all saw the uh, the anger that occurred after the first miscue. Oof. But it's right now a 4-3 game. Uh, if there is no nailer in this game, it's a 3-2 game. So, you know, it, it, it it's pretty even across. He, he took away, but he gave. Uh, big surprise, Med Rosario grounded into a double play in this one. Immediately, Steve Kwan hit. Can we... We're just going to leave him at the second hole. We're just going to leave him in the two hole. Continue to have him lead this team in double plays. Because he does. That's 16 on the year. He's not... He's, what, five behind um, Vlad Guerrero for the league lead. And he's got a lot of opportunities with Quan hitting in front of him. So we'll have to see how it goes. But uh, and, and here's the thing with Ahmed. I got into it a little bit on yesterday's show. He's down to like a 100 runs created plus. He's not even, he's barely holding on to league average with below average defense. And here's what I will say. I still don't have an issue with not trading him. When he was like a, in the one teens for runs created plus in July, you know, one twenties when he was still up. Even though, you know, I kind of said this would happen. Right? If you've been listening to the show, after his horrible start, he got super hot. I'm like, this is what happened a year ago. Mid season, he gets really hot, and then he cools down again. It goes up, it goes down. At the end of the year, he's league average, and that's that. Looks like that's what's going to happen. But I understand holding on to him one because of what he means to the clubhouse. And then you kind of hope maybe you're wrong. I can understand a team being like, he's not that old. You know, he's still a relatively young player. He was a top 10 prospect in all of baseball type. Like, he has that pedigree. He has the tools. Maybe he's finding another gear. Maybe the defense will be league average instead of below. Maybe the bat will be above league average instead of at. Unfortunately, he's regressed to what he is, which is you can go and look at the Fangraphs numbers and see, this is what he does. League average bat, below average defense, going to be worth somewhere between 2 to 2.5 wins. That's a solid player. But if you're the Guardians, you can't pay that. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes for him the rest of the year. I'm hoping he gets out of this. I'm hoping that it is not something we're going to see that runs created plus drop even more. But this is what happened a year ago. He ended up at a 99 a year ago instead of an even 100. Because it went up, it went down, it went up. And... This goes into my next point, which is everyone's like, oh, this team doesn't have any power, and that's fair. They are 29th in the majors in home run. Home runs, only Detroit is worse. and But home runs is not power, right? Like, you should look at something like slugging percentage instead of, sorry about that, instead of just home runs. Now, it doesn't change a ton. It does put them 26th instead of 29th. Uh, and, all, or, yeah, and all the teams behind them are not world beaters. But it, it paints a picture. To me, though, what stands out is walk rate. And, you know, I had a tweet earlier today that I, you know, I stand by. If you go and you look at team ranks in terms of walk percentage, if I go click that right now, number one is the Yankees, number two is the Dodgers, three is the San Francisco Giants, so it kind of gets off there, four Seattle, five San Diego, six Milwaukee, seven Arizona, surging team, by the way, eight Houston, nine Minnesota, ten St. Louis, eleven Tampa your top 11 notice like nine of those teams are right now honestly in the playoff hunt where's cleveland 27th 
team doesn't walk a lot. It it is below Colorado, Miami, and Boston, and Cincinnati. It only beats they only beat Oakland, the Chicago White Sox, and the Detroit Tigers. And again, man, those Detroit Tigers just doing their best to be historically awful offensively. Like one of the worst offensive teams in the history of baseball. And I keep harping on this because Cleveland didn't take advantage of their um, their matchups against them this year. They did not take advantage of the matchups against a team that was that bad offensively. But to get back to it, like this, the fact that, listen, if they walked more, if it wasn't just contact, 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 uh, you would have some of these in- innings extend. But the problem is they have a lot of guys. And listen, the, the reason I have my concerns with Oscar Gonzalez are the same ones that I have had with, um, with Ahmed Rosario. There aren't guys, there aren't many at least, let's be honest, across all of baseball that have walk rates as low as those two and are successful year to year. Uh, This Kansas City game has Salvador Perez, but go and look at his numbers. Uh, We all think of Salvi as, you know, consistently a top five catcher. He was amazing a year ago, but he has had multiple years in his career where he's had runs created plus under 80 or under 90. He has been incredibly up and down. The one player who's been consistently a force is... uh, Louis Robert and you know that's what two seasons of data it's hard with that walk rate for those guys to be productive and it's going to continue to be you know this was my concern with Oscar Mercado as well and Bobby Bradley and a lot of these players that come up you know the reason I was lower on Ty Freeman and Francisco Mejia Owen Miller when you have very low walk rates did he just swing at that pitch Uh, it, it just it sets it sets you up to be less successful. And again, it doesn't. you don't have to be great at it. You don't have to be Jose Ramirez at 9.4% uh, or Stephen Kwan, who's also at that high. But you've you got to really try to be around five. That's where Fran Mill was this year. And, you know, uh, Ahmed Rosario at a 4.2 for him, that's, that's an improvement over recent years. But uh, you can keep going down and just see the guys who aren't even anywhere near that. Uh, 6.3 for Owen... Jimenez at a 6.1 is a bit of a concern for me, but at the same time, you know, I'm just, I need to see above five. Guys below five, Oscar Gonzalez, Ahmed Rosario, Oscar Mercado. This is where I'm going to continue to not be sold that we have all of our oof, and there's the strikeout on one at his shoulders. Um, Facing a lefty, no less, right? For Oscar Gonzalez, I mean, that's just... The, the the slide is there. How are people feeling about him overall? You know, I are you concerned like I am? Do you feel like you know? We'll see. I will say this: the same point in time for Salvi's up and down. I mean, I predicted back 2014 that the league would catch up to him, and it never quite did. He has been able to find success off and on uh, throughout his career. Can Gonzalez sustain that? It's hard. It's gonna be very hard for him to do. But I'll be curious to see how it goes. And for Rosario. I'm going to be curious to see what they do with him because we know it is a operation that does not have a lot of funds. He's probably in line to make about 8 million next year. I'm not saying they will designate him for assignment, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes a lot cheaper in this off season, uh, especially if they feel like, 
You know, notice Freeman's playing every day now, and he's not looking terrible. If they feel like Freeman can bridge the gap, then they might look for a cheaper alternative. We're going to take our first break, come back, and actually talk about the game itself. I know we talked a little bit about Josh Naylor's miscues and the announcing, but we're going to get into the positive performances, where we are, the box square bingo, and maybe the three stars by the time we get there on today's Lockdown Guardians. I, I'm a little annoyed with Bilt Bar. Why do I not have a maple donut flavored yet? The new Cougar Tail, which is the official BYU Cougar Tail Puff, maple donut flavored. What's this, Bilt Bar? How do I not have a try of this? Granola is back. We've talked about granola is my favorite bar of all time. Strawberry is back. Some people, I'm not as big on the berry. That is just what I say. But, you know, is this a point? I'm, I'm putting in an order tonight. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I... The granola triple box and the pot and the cougar tail maple donut. Do I need to say it again? I really like the granola, the cookie dough, the uh, banana cream. I just finished my box of churro. It is a fantastic product. It gets an A in my health food app, and get, my belly gives it an A as well. It, it's just I love Bilt Bar. I've been eating it for like three years now, and has never gotten old. It has never gotten to be something I do not enjoy having. Uh, I still. You know, during the summer, I kind of sparse it out a little because, I, you know, I don't need that kind of easy, quick meal. So the birthday cake they sent me at the beginning of summer, I intentionally saved for the beginning of the school year. And that's been my go-to right now. Uh, you know, I, I got done with the one that was like a peep and the churro. And those were kind of the last things I finished off at the, the end of summer. But man, I am putting in order tonight over at BuiltBar.com. Uh, you should put in an order yourself. Remember that promo code LOCK15. It's the promo that I use. And... Uh, yeah, it's just, it's good for you. It's great tasting. BuiltBar.com. Remember that promo code is LOCKED15 to save you some money. So just kind of some fun behind the scenes on the podcast. Yesterday, uh, you know, I didn't have to do a show. I decided to do a stream because the Guardians tied it up and we went for an hour. Uh, just talking to people. A lot of the Mariners fans, really nice uh, people. What's funny is I did a now, you know, our, our quick hit video. And then I realized there was no one to edit it. So I was just like, I already did it. I'm going to upload it. That has now become the number one video in the history of this channel. And I went into the data and looked at it. It's because it's like 90% Mariners fans. Like Seattle and Seattle Mariners, whatever reason, I hit that algorithm. And the Mariners fans drove the biggest video in the history of the channel. So come on, Guardians fans. If you want to, to not be second on this channel to Mariners fans in terms of number one video, uh, you got to get on it. Got to get on it. But I, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, it was at 1,500 views at one point today. And, you know, we're, we last check, five short of 600. So uh, do consider uh, subscribing. I appreciate everyone who does. But for a, you know, a place with 600 subscribers to be at, like, 1,500 views was, was quite a fun day for me throughout the day to, like, check in and see. It's also interesting that when the Guardians struggle... Everyone comes out of the woodwork to want to talk about, like, baseball gods and, like, anger with the name change. Can we just say that, like, the last time they won a World Series was the introduction of Wahoo. I believe they were both in 48. And then after that, Cleveland baseball became so, you know, synonymous with losing and sadness, they made a movie about it. So if there's any instance of a baseball god showing disfavor, it was immediately after that invention. You know, at the same time, because they were so bad for so long, if you were someone who loved that name and that team, Wahoo might have been the only positive you had during those awful years because it's just what they had. So again, I understand it is a complex issue. I understand why for many people it uh, it is triggering. And 
you know, I, I always find a little bit funny that the people who get triggered by it also then, like, don't accept when others get triggered for the most part. And there's some great people I find interactions with. Uh, Christopher, you know, I, he knows that he doesn't agree, but we can be cordial about it and have our discussion. And, you know, this is my long way of saying that I didn't change the name. So, like, jumping into these comments to, like, hate on me and put up a negative mark because I, I, the name has changed, I, I don't understand. Um, now, if you jump in after this one because I've made some comments, at least then it's logical. So, let's at least be logical about, like, uh, digging me. Because, uh, again, while I was for name change, I, I didn't do it. So, maybe find someone else to uh, jump out and randomly attack with your anger. But uh, let's talk about this game. Currently 4-3 to three in the 8th. Nick Sandlin is in. Nick Sandlin, another one of those guys who... Went to AAA and got straightened out. He just looked completely lost in the early go. That's fair. I would have thought for sure that one would have been foul. Uh, uh, just like that, this game is tied. That is extremely frustrating. I mean, so you get the walk the fly out, and then a double. And the walk come back, comes back to kill Sandlin. And, and that's kind of his bugaboo. I mean, that's... It, it, and you know, we talk about hitting... You know, that was fair, but we talk about how Salvador Perez, you know, is that guy who swings at everything. And, I mean, that was a bad pitch to swing at. But he was effective, and now we have a tie-flipping game. <sighs> and, and you just don't have any faith that the Guardians are going to be able to score with the way things have gone, especially the bottom of the lineup being the disaster show that it is. It, it's a frustrating time. And it, it's, you know, it, one of the things I want to talk about, and I just didn't get have the time last week, is that this Royals team is not as bad as the Royals we faced earlier in this year. And a lot of people kind of going in thinking it'll be an easy sweep. What did the Royals do that was different? They promoted their young players. And those young players are playing well for the most part. This is a team full of young talent. And you give them credit for actually going through with their rebuild. You go through and you look at just runs created plus. Edward Olivares, who they got in that Trevor Rosenthal deal back in the day. He's got a 126 runs created plus. Vinny Pas- Pascotino, who was, you know, him and Will Benson were two of the top hitters in AAA. Uh, it's worked out for Pascotino, has not worked out for Benson. At 123 runs created plus. Michael Massey, who's playing second base, a 116. Melendez, who just scored that run, a 105. Bobby Witt Jr., a 104. And he's been a bit of a disappointment because he's been a bet. Like, he has looked... A lot of people actually projected him to be more of a third baseman long-term. And then he played well in the minors, and people thought... But he is, defensively, it hasn't been there for him. But he can just keep going down. A lot of their young guys have come in and played pretty well for them. Nick Prado, who's currently up, is a 100. He's been an even guy. I mean, I, there's quite a few guys. I, I know I rail on Ahmed Rosario, but man, even having a guy with a 100 runs created plus instead of having a guy in the 60s like Owen Miller, who's been the first baseman for Cleveland for a lot of games, you can just... Salvador Perez, a 100, who is you know, obviously not a younger guy. He's an older one, but they have a lot of players who have stepped into the void for them. They went young. They let their young guys play. You know, I've been critical of this rebuild in Kansas City because they didn't want to embrace it fully. 
Uh, and they never got max value for guys, but man, Sandlin's about ready to walk someone else here. And that's that's what you have to know, is that like some days he is going to get wild. And I don't know if anyone's up, but he's been great since he's been back, but it's the same it's the same thing with 99. I mean, these two, oh, that was a terrible pitch, Nick Prado. That is just an awful pitch. <laughs> you can't do anything with it. I mean, he really got him. I mean, that was ball four. Swaying out of his shoes. It's it's not pretty to watch if you are a fan of the Royals. That being said, you know, I don't know if I can necessarily say the future is bright for Kansas City because when I go through, a lot of their top prospects have now graduated. You know, a lot of the guys we're kind of looking at as their higher-end prospects are out. You know, it's in some of those guys like the Asa Lacy's of the world have just struggled mightily since they were drafted. Like I'm looking here, Fangraphs doesn't even have him in their top 10 prospects. Frank Mesquito from last year that the overdraft where they spread the money around, he's like sitting there at eighth in their system. Nick Lofton, the shortstop, Alex Marsh. Those are very limited players. Nick Prado. It's kind of weird because they have Max Castillo ahead of Prado, but it's, you know, there's not a lot of top 100 guys for a team that has been picking the top 10 since they won the World Series like every year. Um, you know, the singers, the co-ars haven't come together for the pitching step. Man, that is all five guys on the pitcher's mound arguing over a ball. What is going on? I don't think I've ever seen that many players on in, in the infield. We're going to take our break and come back and actually dive into this game. Uh, it's end of eight. We'll see on today's Lockdown Guardians. I'll be honest, I paused a bit. Well, A, to put in a built bar order, uh, if I'm being honest, and B, to kind of see how things were going to go here in the ninth so I didn't have any swearing in the podcast because that is a no-no. I think it's interesting to pinch hit for Hedges with Palacios because Palacios has struggled a bit, and I'm not sure he's a better hitter. (laughs) I'm kind of curious what other people's thoughts are. Uh, Before we get into the game, because I keep putting it off because right now I'm annoyed at the game, I want to... Joseph Werner had a great tweet here at uh, Jolt and Joey. That, you know, Petey Halpin is someone that talked about a lot on the show. Um, that 2020 draft was the year that uh, 24-7 got rid of baseball. So I did not do my traditional top 100. That's when I started cutting it back to a top 50 because I wasn't being paid for a writing gig, if I'm being honest, at that point in time. And Halpin was one of my last cuts. Uh, this past year, uh, after my top 50, I did like 11 names to watch. Who would have been in that group? I love the pick, and you know he started out this year with a 215, 283, 283 in his first 55 games at high A. Since then, 318, 425, 18 over his next 46. And this is why I always say, you know, I'm I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice. I'm uh, prospect Santa Claus. Good on straw. That's the second hit of the day, I believe. Um, because you got to pay attention for a whole year's worth of data. You know, I talk about the West Hodges of it all, where he almost made a whole career as a prospect. I don't think he ever made it to the big leagues on a one really good first half in the upper minors. Uh, it was a bad minor leagues in Cleveland then. And for the same reason, like I wanted to see what Brennan would do over the course of a full year of data, seeing this with Halpin. Uh, and then you get into the fact that he's looking like a potential elite defender in center field. Pete Crow Armstrong gets ranked a lot of places. And yes, I had Pete Crow Armstrong about 30 spots higher. But I, even in my write-up, I said that he was the poor man's PCA. 
PCA, I believe, was a top, if not a top 20, a top 15 prospect. So it says a lot. And Halpin's one of those guys that definitely, as I'm working on this list, when I'm finalizing, and again, I think I'm not going to really do a top 20 as much as I'm going to sit down and do tiers. I'm going to put all the players in tiers because I think that's a better representative uh, for talent. But he's one of those guys who, if he's not in that third tier grouping, we've talked about how there's like four guys in tier one, and then tier two is about another three to four names, and then there is the next group, which is about 10 to 12. He is in that next grouping. So it'll be something fun to talk about, but I want to talk about something fun because let's just get into this game. Let's let's talk about Cleveland has 11 hits. I know people are like, oh, the lack of power. Uh, they have a home run and double uh, in this one. It, you look at the other side of things. Guess guess what? The Royals have a home run and a double as well. That that's that's it. Uh, why have uh, they taken advantage of more? Well, Cleveland has no walks, and the Royals have three. And those walks have directly led to two of the four runs. So before we, again, get focused on this idea of power and good on straw, just a stolen base as well, he might be a star of this one before it's all said and done. Um, It's walking is important. (laughs) This shouldn't be a revelation. Go watch the Moneyball movie. I mean, it, it makes walks a little too important, but yeah, this team just needs to walk more. It would help. It extends innings. Walks, uh, do they make a pitcher throw extra pitches. They get into the pen earlier. Uh, this team doesn't walk enough. And yes, power would be great. Don't get me wrong. I still think Nolan Jones should be up and helping this team. If you listen to yesterday's show, I'm trying to remember if it was in the podcast part or the long stream part. But if you talk about the top 10 hitters on this team and runs created plus this year, Nolan Jones is among them. I know he struggled in AAA. Uh, good on Quan, but that is the first walk of the game. For the Cleveland Guardians. That right there. You know, I was kind of curious. I was hoping I could track down pop-up percentages. Uh, Cleveland, by the way, uh, 30th in all base one hard hit percentage. That's right. Worse than Detroit. Uh, Right now you have Quan, as we previously said, with the first walk of the game. The first walk in the ninth. Oh, didn't matter. Rosario just strike out. Awesome. That's why he's in the two hole instead of Andres Jimenez. Thumbs up. And Eli Morgan coming in here in the ninth. <sighs> is what it is. Uh, in this game, Cleveland has... Let, let's just get into it. So Cleveland has 11 hits. Just four runs to show for it. Uh, they had the hit-by-pitch to Jose Ramirez. And then the walks. That's 13 opportunities. And then you have the uh, errors, 14 opportunities. That should be four and a half to five runs. They're at four in line. Uh, closer to the five runs than the four, but you take it. They're in line. The Royals on the other side have four hits. The two errors gives them six opportunities. And then I believe I said three walks. So that's nine opportunities right there for them. Uh, that should be about three. They have four to show. So they've been a little lucky. Cleveland's been in line. Uh it's, but that's part of the problem, right? Like Cleveland having had just the one walk, like you expect to have a few in a game. They haven't had a few. They've had one. If you want to count the hit batter, two. The other side of things of those three walks, uh, I believe one set up the two run home run was the base run. And the other was uh, the tying run there in the fourth. And then they cashed in the air. Cleveland's, Cleveland's getting this situation where 
Straw hits, steals a base, Quan walks. And then Ahmed Rosario is Ahmed Rosario swinging a ball in the dirt. Can we just fix the lineup? Is that too much to ask? It is ridiculous that he is still hitting two. Absolutely ridiculous. Your best hitter is hitting sixth. And if you want to say Jose is the best, fine. Then the guy who is 1B to 1A for Jose is hitting sixth in your lineup, who has also been clutch most of the year. I know last night he had his issue with runners in scoring position. Maybe put him in the two hole. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Mackenzie pitched well today, and it looks like it might go for not. Uh, five and two-thirds. Again, you'd like to see a few more strikeouts. Five and five and two-thirds. Two walks, three hits. Of course, a home run because that is his weakness. But again, that is a that is something that this team would rather give up is a home run than a walk. Unfortunately, you know, he did walk two. One of those came back to hurt him. That is a solid outing. Henches comes in, uh, gets it done. Sandlin gets a run as well. That's a thing. I... Henches, you also had the error situation. So technically, he didn't get it done with what happened when he came in. But at the same time, like I said, that, that balances. Naylor giveth, Naylor taketh away. We'll see what happens with Morgan. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. Who reached base twice? Well, Quan reached base three times. Jose reached base twice. Uh, it's kind of easy because nobody walked, right? Jimenez reached base twice. And Straws reached base twice. Your three stars in this one. Well, when you go... I'm still tempted to give it to McKenzie because the one earned run. Morgan's getting ready to walk the first, the opening batter, isn't he? As he's sitting here facing their number two hitter in Massey, who we talked about is a, is a actually been productive this year. No, he's not their two hitter. He is their. I cannot see where he hits. He's their six hitter. There we go. Fly ball. We'll take it. <sighs> Sorry about my frustrations bleeding over. But yeah, looking at this one, just talking about who are the stars. I'm giving it to Straw. Two hits and a stolen base. I'm giving it to Jimenez. Two hits, one of them being an extra base hit. And then it comes down to Quan, who had two hits and a walk. Or McKenzie, who had two earned runs, three total. And I'm going to give it to McKenzie over Quan. Uh, because uh, the Quan's biggest negative is he's got Rosario hitting behind him, so... One of those hits was immediately a double play, and then the walk was immediately uh, just a lost opportunity because you got a guy who swung at a ball in the dirt. Oof. 0-2 at least. Eaton had a nice swing on that one. We're going to end it here just because uh, this isn't a live stream. It's not one of those things where I can... Ch I Here's what you're going to do. I'm going to continue... We're going to do our cut for the end of the podcast because I don't want this to run forever because then I, that's not how the network goes. So we're going to end the show with the projected three stars. I'm going to potentially let the pot, the video version run a little longer. So if you want to go jump and catch the rest on the video version, it's there. But as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.